Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Truth. I'm your host, the one you love the most, Niall Hessen, back with another episode here on The Truth, back with Levi Graham, back with another college basketball podcast, back with another Joe Lenardi Bracketology college basketball podcast. Hopefully you guys are having a great day. Levi, how are you doing here today? I'm doing great. Ready to talk about some college basketball. I would say the best college basketball weekend of the year this past weekend. Yeah, and this weekend seems to be no short stack as well. This is going to be another good week here. It's basically the last main conference week uh, for you know the conference regular season for a lot of teams. So obviously a lot on the line. We're going to go over what we did last week. We're going to switch gears from when we started going over the top 36 teams. We're going to go over the top four seeds and the four seeds. So it'll be 16 total teams. Go over the four one seeds, two seeds, three seeds, and four seeds. Go over the last four buys, last four in, first four out, and next four out. Just like we did last week. A lot of it's probably going to be similar. There's going to be some different uh, case scenarios this time, though, with having there be you know new matchups, etc. But without further ado, you know the number one overall seed right now is Alabama. Levi, take it away. What you got for Alabama at this point? Alabama twenty five and four with losses to Connecticut. Gonzaga, Oklahoma, and Tennessee. Brandon Miller is a stud. Nate Oates is a great coach. You know, uh, they're very good at rebounding the basketball. Very good at uh, points per game as they average 83.3 points per game. You know, this team is dangerous and can make a legit Final Four run. Yeah, it's kind of funny you mentioned Brandon Miller. Obviously, the controversy that's been surrounding him and the Crimson Tide basketball team, um, you know, with the shooting depth of that girl. Obviously, there's been some controversy. He did a uh, interesting introduction to one of his starts the previous uh, game. And obviously, Nate Oates had spoke on it, but they've been able to handle the controversy very well. Brandon Miller's obviously been a stud for them, averaging 19.7 points per game. Mark Sears is averaging 13.4, so they're getting it done on the offensive side. You mentioned 83.3 points per game, ranks fifth. They're also 10th in three-point field goals uh, made. And then first in rebounds, so they have tremendous size, stacked up very well in the SEC. Think of some of the teams like Kentucky who have started to kind of move up in the ranks. Um, Auburn, Tennessee even, that have been year in and year out, really good products in the SEC. But they have maintained a 15-1 and conference play record, and I think they definitely deserve the number one overall seed. Number two seed is Houston, the Houston Cougars. You know, I'm looking at uh, Houston right now. And their schedule. And their best win is Virginia and St. Mary's. Um, but defense wins championships, you know. And uh, Kevin Sand. He is a great defensive coach as they like to rebound the basketball. They like to slow it down a little bit, only averages 76 points a game. But they play defense. And uh, Marcus Sasser, he's a stud. Uh, this team could go to the Final Four in Houston. And if they go to the Final Four in Houston, they might take it all. Yeah, Houston's been a team that's not necessarily in the power five or six. Um, that you pointed out to me today. But overall, Houston's still a really good team. I think a good comparison to them is just maybe Gonzaga, how Gonzaga was a non-Power 6 team that ended up you know, being the number one seed or fighting for number one seeds year in and year out. So they've had, obviously, the same situation, just in a little bit of a diff- 
different conference in the American Athletic. Marcus Sasters averaging 17 points per game. Jarris Walker averaging 11.1. And Jawan Roberts averaging 10.9. So although they're only shooting um, at a points per game of 76.1, like you mentioned, they're third in offensive rating. So that's collective from rebounds to free throw shooting percentage. Being third in the nation in offensive rating is huge. They're also second in defensive rating. So playing great on both sides of the ball, there's no wonder why they're a number one seed. They should easily win the AAC conference and will be a number one seed to have that chance to go to the final four in Houston. Kansas Jayhawks at number three. KU, I agree with this. Um, they're 12 and four in the Big 12, which is, I would say, the best conference of this season. And, you know, they deserve to be one and all last year. Jalen Wilson averages almost 20 points a game for him. Grady Dick is also a very good player for him. And, KU is a basketball school. They want, uh, they could go back to back here. Yeah, KU is obviously very good. I think a lot of question marks were going into the season of if they were going to win it all once again. But they ended up beating Virg- uh, West Virginia by two. They beat TCU by five. So maybe it looked a little bit shaky as of late. But they got two big matchups coming up. Texas Tech at home tomorrow, which is going to be a big matchup, mainly for Texas Tech. You obviously know they're tournament hungry. They want to win that game. So going to have a lot of pressure on KU. And then they end the season at Texas, who's obviously flirting around with the number one seed as well. But they've been playing great all season long. Mentioning Grady Dick, his influence. They do a really good job of sharing the ball at eighth and assist. But overall, all in all, offense and defense, they're really good in so many aspects. And honestly, I think a lot of people are kind of sleeping on them to potentially win it all once again. But this is a team that can definitely um, continue to move move forward in the right direction. I think they're going to continue to have, you know, solid play from Jalen Wilson, Grady Dick, and just the front court and back court that the Jayhawks have to offer. Purdue at number four. Purdue. Um, I don't know if I agree with this. I think they should be a two-line under UCLA, but because Purdue has lost four of the last six games, that's why I think that. I think Purdue is a better team than UCLA. Yep. And I agree with that actually a hundred percent. You know, the more we were looking or getting into this podcast when I was doing some research before, you know, they're only 13 and five in conference play. And you look at some of these number one seeds. I mean, for example, Houston and Alabama both only have one loss. Purdue did go undefeated in non-conference and have only lost in the Big Ten. And the Big Ten this year, as we were talking about today, is just beating the shit out of each other every other week. Um, And it's been very difficult to really have a standing ground. I mean, Indiana, Maryland, Northwestern, Michigan, all are tied for second place with 11 and 7 conference play records. If you were to tell me at the beginning of the season that the Big Ten would have their second place team have seven conference losses, I think you're out of your mind. It goes then even further through six through uh, nine, uh, potentially the top nine teams in the Big Ten making the tournament. Uh, Illinois is 10 and 8. Iowa's 10 and 8. Rutgers is 10 and 8. Michigan State's 9 and 8. This is a ridiculous conference this year, and it's absolutely insane. But sticking to Purdue and kind of where they've been at, I think you, I think I agree with you in the fact that maybe I'd flip a team like UCLA or Texas into the one line and move a team like Purdue in the two. But everyone knows what Purdue is going to be able to do um, once the tournament does come around. So maybe they're going to be a team that does end up taking a one seed and, and runs the, the that side of the bracket up all the way up to the national championship game. But they have looked a bit shaky as of, as of late, as you mentioned, losing four of their last six. Moving to the two seeds and the number five seed, UCLA. UCLA, um, I like UCLA. I mean, they don't really score a lot of points, but, you know, they're clutch. They have two seniors, Tiger Campbell and Jaime Hawkins, who made the Final Four a couple years ago. 
so they have experience, and experience wins you games, and they're clutch. Um, they've won eight straight. You know, they have a big weekend this weekend, but uh, they won the Pac-12 outright this weekend at 16-2 and in conference with two more games to play. Uh, they have a chance to be a one seed, but overall, does it really matter if you're a one or two seed? They're still a top team in college basketball. Yeah, they've obviously been the catalyst for the Pac-12. Um, sitting with a 16-2 conference play record, they won that regular season outright. Jaime Haquez, uh, or however you say his name, as you mentioned, obviously been very dominant for them. I believe he's played in every one of their games. That's obviously great to have consistency there. Play well on both sides of the ball. I'm going to take a look into kind of what you mentioned a little bit before that early on, too. Got a big week coming up. You got Arizona and Arizona State, obviously, as you know. But those are two of the top teams in the Pac-12. So how are they going to stack up against those teams? Sure, they're on an eight-game winning streak, but it's different when you play um, teams like Arizona and Arizona State. The only positive for them is they're going to be home games for them, but it should still be a very interesting couple of games for UCLA. You're going to learn a lot about uh, UCLA, but more than that, just the Pac-12 as a whole. Texas at the number six seed. I like Texas here at the number six overall team. They're 11 and five in the big 12, 22 and seven overall. Um, Marcus Carr, I have just 17 points a game for him. Uh, Timmy Allen, he's a transfer from Utah. He's been there at Texas for a while. He's also very good. And who would have thought they would be in this situation this year with uh, Chris Beard, getting let go in the middle of the season, and they're 22-7, and seven, about to get a two-seed in the tournament. Yeah, you know, I'm going to go a little bit further than just a two-seed. I think they're actually going to snag a one-seed. I think they're going to win the Big 12 tournament this uh, this year. They're going to win uh, against Kansas in that final game of the season. So they're going to have a pretty good resume to go as a number one seed. But overall, they look very great. Um, they got TCU on the road before taking on Kansas on Saturday, like I mentioned. They're playing great on both sides of the ball, and I think that's going to prove dividends for them. Uh, come the tournament time and in those big games there. So I'm really liking to see where they're at right now, and I think they're just going to continue to grow in the right direction. Number seven, sticking in the Big 12 with Kansas State. Kansas State. Uh, obviously, they des- they deserve to be seven. Just ahead of Baylor, they just beat Baylor uh, last week. And like I said every like I say every week, Kansas State is the biggest surprise in college basketball. Yep. They want – Last year, they lost to a Division II school in an exhibition game. <laughs> now, they are, are about to be a two-seed in the NCAA tournament. That's a very remarkable turnaround in just one year. And they've been playing great, too, and they've played the bulk of their schedule. They got the two kind of bottom feeders of the Big 12, home against Oklahoma and then at West Virginia. Don't get me wrong. Those are still going to be tough challenges, but they've kind of done their due diligence, and they've definitely respected um, or they've been respected enough to get this number two spot in the number two seed. I think you probably have a good point. They're probably one of the more disrespected, underrated teams in all of college basketball. And I'm really excited to see um, how Kansas State's going to fare in the Big 12 tournament. They're sitting at the three seed in the conference right now with a 10 and 6 conference record and 22 and 7 record overall. So they've been playing great basketball. I think tournament time is going to be huge for them to not only um, for themselves, but to kind of make their name more out there as a more reliable threat year in and year out. And the final two seed is sticking in the Big 12. The Big 12 is stacked this season with Baylor. Baylor, they're sitting at 21-8. and eight. Um, You know, they deserve to be here too. They they just lost to Kansas and Kansas State in the last week. So that's why they're behind them. They did beat Texas, though, but they've lost two of their last three. Um, you know, 
Keontae George is their best player. They're a good defensive team, and defense wins championships, so Baylor could go far. Yeah, I think how they're able to play on the offensive side and defensive side is huge. You mentioned George averaging 16.3 points per game. Adam Flagger, 15.5. LJ Cryer, 14.7. When you have three guys like that averaging at least 14 points, you're obviously going to have tremendous success scoring the ball. And just in general, as far as the conference plays, um, you know, concerned. Great three-point shooting team, great free throw, shooting, uh, free throw line shooting team. And they played really solid defense, too. So there's no wonder why. Um, you know, they're a team that's a kind of sleeper. And I mentioned this kind of as a joke to you earlier today, but you know, I think Baylor's a team that could be a sleeper to win the tournament as a whole. Um, they're very good at getting back to those final fours in Elite Eight, but this is a team that I think people maybe have slept on just because a little bit of a slow start to the season, but they've bounced back very nicely. And I think they're going to make a lot of noise come the Big 12 tournament. Number nine overall seed, starting off with the number three seeds at Arizona. You know, Arizona is... I think is better than UCLA, just like team-wise, not talent-wise, but uh, team-wise. They just had some brutal losses in the Pac-12. Um, they really, like, after watching on Saturday, they really have no aspects, but they are all very good players. And, you know, they like to score. They average 83 points a game. And they have the best front court in college basketball. Umar Balu, who have just 14 points a game. And then uh, Tubelis, who have just 20 points a game. So it's 34 points a night coming from your backcourt. And pretty much you can't beat this team if their shooters are hot. And their shooters were hot the other night, but uh, they had a brutal loss. So this team could go far. Yeah, you take a look at Arizona this season. You mentioned just the ability to shoot the ball. Uh, Oregon and Washington State, two of their losses that really ring a bell when they weren't able to score didn't even get past 70 points. But overall, uh, 83.3 points per game is tied for fifth, 12th in pace, it's ninth in field goal percentage, um, you know, three point field goal percentage, top 30, assists at second. So offensively, they're very fundamentally sound. Defense, they're pretty solid too. But I mean, at the same time, when you're scoring the amount of points that they're scoring on a day to day basis, if they're shooting, they're hot, and they've been continuously hot, especially throughout the season. I think, obviously, if they want to have any type of success, they can't go cold one night. Um, they lost to Arizona State. It was like 89-88, something like that, high-scoring affair, um, and that was a big win uh, for Arizona State. But more than that, it showed that Arizona's going to lose sometimes when they score even 80-plus points. Um, they weren't able to get the one or two stops that they need. But they're still a really solid team. Uh, it's like UCLA and Arizona are the top two in the Pac-12, and then USC – and Arizona State are kind of like the bottom two feeders. I feel like you could group those two together, but Arizona will definitely be uh, maybe a two seed, maybe even a one seed in the tournament. Tennessee at number 10. Tennessee, um, they're the second best team in the SEC. That's why they are third seed. Um, Viscovi is a very good shooter. He averages 12.3 points a game for him. And, you know, I don't know if Tennessee is going to go very far this year, but, you know, they deserve to be a three seed. Yeah, the biggest thing that sticks out with me is their defense. They're first in defensive rating at 87.1. They're fourth in offensive rebounds. They're 12th in total amount of rebounds, 29th in steals. You know, they take the ball away very effectively, and they've been playing very solid throughout the season. 
mentioned Vescovi, his impact. Ziegler, Nakahoma, he's had great impact on the offensive side. Um, but Vescovi and Ziegler both averaging two steals a game. Ido averaging 1.3 blocks. So they're turning the ball over for teams and really just having tremendous amount of success. And I really think that this is a team that can definitely make some noise in March, but at the same time, this is a team I think that's going to either be very boom or very bust. And I really haven't been able to decide right now. But I think a three-seed is a comfortable spot for them, and I think they're only going to continue to improve, especially come tournament time. Gonzaga at number 11. Gonzaga, uh, they deserve to be here too. Drew Timmy is a stud. Uh, they just won... The WCC or tied the WCC with St. Mary's at 14 to 14 and two in the conference. Um, you know, the Zags, they always lose early. That's the only problem with them, but uh, they're a good team. Yeah, the biggest storyline uh, I had for Gonzaga, really, if there was any other doubts, it would be that matchup against St. Mary's. Kind of a re- revenge game for them. They did end up winning that game 77 to 68. So have one final game against Chicago State, but 14 and 2 conference play record. You got to be pleased with that. Maybe it's not to Gonzaga's standards as per se, but. Overall, Gonzaga's had a great season. They're number one in points per game at 87.4. Um, first in field goal percentage, too. That's one thing. If you're scoring a lot of points, having a great field goal percentage like they do is obviously something that's a plus for them. Share the ball very well um, at 20th, assist, uh, 20th in assists per game and first in offensive rating. So offense is going to carry them. They've always been in that year in and year out. Drew Timmy's been their big man. They also got some surrounding guys, too, that are make them uh, dangerous in March, but um, I'm really excited to see how they're going to be able to play and how they're going to match up in the WCC as well as the NCAA tournament. I think they should be a two seed. I think they're probably going to be a three seed, um, but they have the capabilities of being a top two or top, even top one seed. Definitely won't be a top one seed, but they definitely have the talent to do so even this year. And Marquette uh, at the 12th spot. <clears throat> Watch out for Marquette. They are 15-3. and three. And they played Butler and St. John's this week. So they will win the Big East Conference outright, which makes him dangerous. Um, Cam Jones, he averages 15 points a game for him. They average 80.8 points per game, which is very good. And they with averaging 18 assists per game. So the only problem with it, this team, they don't rebound the basketball that much, but... You know, if you put points on the board, you have a chance to win every game. Yeah, and on top of that, they're doing a really good job of limiting their opponents to scoring. Um, They have a lot of guys. They have six guys at least with one steal, which is huge. As far as steals as a whole, I think they're tied for seventh right now, uh, which is insane. But they're fifth in sharing the basketball, too, and then 11th in offensive rating. So this is a team that I believe jumped up to the number six spot in the AP poll. Overall, you look at their record and look at the Big East, man. They got some good names in the Big East. UConn, Creighton, Providence, Xavier, even Seton Hall or Villanova for that matter. And uh, Marquette, in my opinion, should be a two seed. I think they're a little bit disrespected in Joe Lenardi's rankings. You look at some of the other two seeds we got there, um, or even maybe higher end three seeds, and they should fit right into the mix. But I think they're going to use the Big East tournament as an opportunity to kind of prove that. Um, But I do think Marquette's a team that can go definitely far in this tournament for playing out well offensively and defensively. Indiana, starting off the number four seeds at 13. Indiana, I like them at a four seed here. Um, They just beat Purdue. They're the second best team in the Big Ten. Um, Trace Jackson Davis is a stud for them. You know, this team deserves to be a four seed. 
Yeah, so Indiana's been playing great this season. They started off Big Ten play a little bit rough, at least to their standards, but have really bounced back very nicely. Had a big win at Purdue. That was a big statement win for them. Not necessarily that they needed a statement win because they've been playing great in the Big Ten. It feels like every win is a statement win. But they are currently second in the Big Ten with an 11-7 and record. Got a big matchup coming up, uh, two matchups, I should say, this week. Both of them are at home, though. They got Iowa tomorrow, which is going to be a big matchup for both sides. And then they got a game against Michigan, which for Michigan, this is going to be a game that, you know, I mean, we always talk about this all the time. I think they're going to find a way to put Michigan in the Big Ten tournament. I'm sorry. Well, they will be in the Big Ten tournament, the NCAA tournament. Michigan's technically the five seed in the conference. And when you talk about the top eight teams or top nine teams making the tournament, it's kind of hard to leave Michigan out, especially if Michigan's able to beat Indiana in the final game of the season. But overall, that's more for Michigan's side. Indiana's got two hard challenges coming up against them, but they should position themselves very nicely for a double bye in the Big Ten tournament um, and then making some noise once again in March like they did last season. Number 14, UConn. Um, UConn is back. Uh, Sunogo, their center, averages 17 points a game. Jordan Hawkins averages 17 points a game as well. And they are very good at a lot of things. They block a lot of shots. They are very unselfish. Um, 17 assists a game. They rebound a lot, 36 a game. And they score 79 points a game. So they're very good at a lot of things. And UConn is a very good basketball team. It's kind of funny with UConn because they started off being like a number two overall team. They were on this insane win streak to start the season. And then they kind of fell off for a period of time. But they've really bounced back very nicely, playing a really good basketball conference. And they have an opportunity to really make some noise in March. I think a four seed is respectable. Final two games of the year, DePaul and at Villanova. The Villanova one's going to be a bit of a challenge, but DePaul should be an easy win for them. Really looking forward and really excited to see how this team's going to fare in the Big East Conference. But this is a really good team, and I think a lot of people are going to take their beginnings, beginning areas of success and translate it into the NCAA tournament. Sticking in the Big East with number 15 seed overall, Xavier. Sean Miller has done a great job coming back to Xavier, um, averaging 80 point, 82 points per game, and third in Big East. Uh, they're actually ahead of UConn. Yeah, this team deserves to be a four seed as well. And four seeds can go far, you know. Um, any any seed can go far, but uh, if you score points, you have a chance. They definitely do that. They have a great job of that. They've done a great job scoring the ball. They've done a great job sharing the ball. Actually lead the nation in assists at 20.2. So all in all, you look at the Xavier team, there's no wonder why they're currently second in the Big East. And honestly, um, I think what was it, Clay earlier was talking about, you know, Xavier's a team that's a team to watch out for. And Sean Miller's been there, done that. So he can easily bring this team um, back to, you know, kind of where those stomping grounds were. They have guys all over the board scoring points at a very effective rate. Boom, Fremantle, Jones, my boy Jack Nungy, who's a transfer from Iowa, averaging 14.3, and Kunkel averaging over 10. So they got guys shooting the ball at an electric rate. Um, defense, again, it doesn't necessarily matter as long as you're able to shoot. If you're not able to shoot, you're screwed. But Xavier is able to do a little bit of both, and they're sitting with a 13-5 and conference play record. Very comfortable going into March thus far. And the final number four seed, Virginia. Um, Virginia, I'm surprised, is the first ACC team we've talked about today. But, but uh, you know, they had a bad loss against North Carolina and Boston College this week. So that's why they dropped significantly. Um, 
they hang their hat in their defense and they don't have good offensive numbers. And that's why they uh, lose. Because if you're in close games, at the end of the day, you have to have a shot maker. So I think that's Virginia's problem at the moment. Yeah, Virginia had a tough week. Uh, Boston College and North Carolina. It was a good, good win for North Carolina. They desperately needed that. But tough loss for Virginia. Got a chance to bounce back this week. Uh, they got Clemson, which is going to be a tough challenge for them. And then the final game of the year is against Louisville. Um, who Louisville is 2-16, two, 4-25 two and 16, four and 25 overall. Kind of crazy to think about that. But I think what's even more crazy to think about is just how weak the ACC conference has been this year. Duke and North Carolina, even Syracuse, not on top of the board uh, necessarily in the ACC this year, although Duke's been climbing as of late and been playing very effective basketball. Interesting to note that the top 16, you know, the first time we mentioned a team and it's Virginia, think of maybe Miami of Florida or Pittsburgh that you maybe mentioned in the ACC. But overall, Virginia's just recently won the tournament, so they've got that experience. And they're a team that can, again, make noise, play great defense. I think they're going to bode well in the NCAA tournament. And then just the four teams that just missed the cut, we're not going to explain or talk about their seasons, really. Um, we've already probably done a good amount of that throughout the year. But number 17, Iowa State. Number 18, TCU. Two Big 12 teams right there. St. Mary's at 19, representing the West Coast Conference. And then the 20 seed, San Diego State. Let's go move into the more... I guess, questionable teams, the teams that are very much circulating the mix of getting in and getting out. Starting off with our last four buys and the number 39 overall seed, USC. You know, USC deserves to be here. They're 21-8, and 13-5 in the Pac-12 Conference. Their big win is a home win against UCLA and a win against Auburn as well. Um, David, oh, sorry, continue. Drew Peterson is a very good shooter, and yeah. They've been playing great basketball. It's kind of interesting to think that potentially the top four teams making the tournament in the Pac-12 will be either the USC, UCLA, and Arizona-Arizona State, so how they're kind of grouped and, and bunched together. But USC, you mentioned that big win against UCLA. That's obviously Memphis. They're 2-4 uh, and four in the American Conference. Um, Penny Hardaway has done a great job here at Memphis. Um. They have Kendrick Davis, who averages 21 points a game for them, who is their best player. And I think if they win pretty much every game, except the Houston game, they're in. I agree. And they have SMU on the road, which would be a big win for them if they are able to do that. Anytime you play on the road, it's going to be huge. But you mentioned that big one. Final game of the season, in the regular season, excuse me, against Houston. They only lost by Houston on the road by eight. So they have the capability of being... Um, a team that does beat them. But this is definitely a team that is, is fighting on the bubble right now, I guess you could say. But Penny Hardaway has done a good job of, of basically coaching this Memphis team in the position they're in. There should be, in my opinion, two teams at least, probably just the two teams that make the, uh, the tournament out of the AAC in Houston and Memphis. My opinion should be locks, but we'll see what happens come tournament time. Auburn at 41. Auburn, uh, this... As the last four buys, this uh, team scares me as, at the moment. They're five, they've lost five of the last seven, and they go to Alabama Wednesday night, and their final game is at home against Tennessee. So they lose both of those games. I think they're squarely back on the bubble, which really hurts this team. I think the biggest thing with Auburn this season is, obviously, they usually play great defense. 
um, and whatnot. Their offense was a little bit down, um, only, you know, 171st in points per game at 72.1, 296 at three-point field goals made, 343rd in three-point field goal percentage. So they obviously don't shoot the ball very well. And the SEC, especially going against some of these high-flying teams, Alabama, even Tennessee for that matter, it's going to be difficult to get those wins. I think they're a little bit interesting in the last four by. They've had a pretty solid season thus far. The biggest storyline for them, I think they need to win at least one of those games. I think the Alabama game would for certainly get them in the tournament because um, it's on the road to begin with. But if they're able to win one of the two and have maybe a strong showing in the SEC tournament, I think they'll be just fine. But again, with the SEC, um, it's obviously very interesting, but maybe seven or eight teams come out of the SEC this season. Mississippi State at 42, sticking in the SEC. Mississippi State, um, I probably, I like where they're at right now, 19 and 10, 7 and 9 in conference. But I think in order to, to not be on the bubble, they have to beat South Carolina and Vanderbilt this week, which will get them to 21 wins, and I think they will be safe for selection Sunday. I think they are safe for Selection Sunday. The only thing that's scary, as we talk about here and there, is just the below 500 conference play record. 7-9 and nine in conference play, 19-10 and 10 overall. They're still a very solid team, though. They play in a really good conference, so you expect maybe those marquee matchups there. But taking a look at their final games of the season, mentioned South Carolina, a team they will beat, and then Vanderbilt, a team they should beat. They win both those games. They should be good to go. I also would like to see them maybe win one or two games because depending on who they end up playing, they have a chance to be playing a team like Alabama, Kentucky, or Tennessee for that matter. And if they're able to win one of those games, they should for sure be a lock. Moving into the last four in, kicking things off with Boise State at 43. Boise State, they had a tough loss to San Jose State, 74 to 68. And this week they have... They're home against San Diego State and then at Utah State. So they have their hands full. And I think in order to make the tournament, I think they have to be, win at Utah State, win one of their last two games, and I think they'll be safe. They play pretty good defense. Honestly, they play pretty good offense, too. They are 22-7. and seven, And regardless of what conference you're in, being 22-7 and seven is obviously big for them. They're second in the Mountain West. San Diego State obviously is a lock for the tournament. Having a big win there would be huge for them. You know, honestly, looking at the last four in, I think they're more of a lock in just because I think they're going to make it to the Mountain West Championship game. But even if they're able to get a strong showing, there's going to be some question marks with Boise State. Are they able to play, you know, some against some of the bigger boys? I'm not sure how their quad one record really is, but I don't think it's as great. Uh, but they should be they should be solid regardless. Uh, they're a last four in team for a reason. But, you know, you can make an argument. You can switch Boise State and a team like Mississippi State, for example. But, those two games coming up are going to be huge for them, not only because of the San Diego State game, but Utah State's a team that's kind of fighting for a playoff spot as well. Everybody's favorite team, West Virginia at number 44. Uh, I still don't know how this team is the last four in. They are 5'11 in conference, um, 16 and 13 overall, but they are in a very good conference. Um, they always play good defense. You know, they, they played really well at Kansas the other night, but didn't get the dub, but... Uh, you know, we'll see what happens this week for West Virginia. Yeah, West Virginia is interesting because, man, they're 5-11. and 11, and I'm not really sure kind of what's been going on with that. I think immediately I look at a, a thing like a quad one win, for example. And quad one record, they're 4-12. and 12. So in the quad one play, they're 4-12. and 12. Quad two, they're 5-1, and one, sure. But, I mean, quad one, 4-12, and, and you're a team that's contending, um, you know, for 
um, a, a March Madness spot. I just don't understand it for West Virginia. They're eighth in the Big 12 right now. I think maybe they're just trying to push as many Big 12 teams as they can in. But, you know, they've got two statement games, at Iowa State versus Kansas State. I think if they win both, sure, you make an argument to put them in. But I would like to see West Virginia more as a first four out or even a next four out at this point until they win those two games. Had a very big chance to really open the door at Kansas. They lost by two, so at least they showed kind of a strong showing. But they're 5-11 and 11 in conference play, like you mentioned, 16-13 and 13 overall. Very confusing to see how they're uh, in, in the last four in right now. Wisconsin at 45. Um, honestly, I don't know how Michigan didn't surpass Wisconsin, or I think Wisconsin should be out of the field. They're eight and ten in conference, sixteen and twelve overall. They have Purdue this week and at Minnesota, so they should probably win one of the two games. But uh, you know, I don't know if this team makes it. Yeah, Wisconsin's right now sitting on the cusp of being a team to play in the first day of Big Ten play. And for Big Ten fans that know anything about the Big Ten tournament, if you're one of the four teams playing in the Big Ten tournament the first day, you typically do not have a good season. So the fact that they're sitting at the 11th spot in conference play right now and are in contention for a last four in bid is quite alarming. Sure, they play good defense, but their offense is terrible. 331st in points per game, 348th in pace, 322nd in field goal percentage, 327th in free throw percentage. I don't understand how Wisconsin's in this position. The only thing going for them compared to a team like West Virginia, who pretty much have similar records, is the fact that Wisconsin's 8-10 and 10 in the Big Ten and West Virginia's 5-11 in Big 12. So I'll let the rest handle itself there, but a little bit interesting to see teams like that in the last four in. And then Oklahoma State at the number 46 spot. Oklahoma State, they're seven and nine in conference, which uh, helps them a little bit out. They're sixteen and thirteen overall, but they play at home against Baylor tonight, and then at Texas Tech. So they uh, obviously every game in the Big Twelve matters. And uh, according to Joe Lenardi, if they lose tonight, uh, Arizona State will be in the field. So you know what? Who I'm rooting for tonight. Yeah, Oklahoma State, again, a similar situation. I like bringing up the quad one record. Five and ten in quad one, three and two in quad two, actually three and one in quad three. Lost to Southern Illinois at home. That was a terrible loss for them. But they are the last four in right now. Just below them is Arizona State and North Carolina, as you mentioned. They are a little bit better, though. I think they should be higher than West Virginia, regardless of if West Virginia is the last four in or not. Oklahoma State is seven and nine in conference play, sporting a 16 and 13 record overall. Got a game against Baylor tonight, which is going to be huge. Then, you know, at Texas Tech, it's always a difficult environment. But that Baylor game is going to be huge for them. I'm definitely rooting for Arizona State as well. I don't like seeing these big 12 schools, particularly like West Virginia, um, Texas Tech, or not necessarily Oklahoma State, but West Virginia or Texas Tech really competing for a tournament spot. Going into the first four out, I'm going to let you handle this one by yourself. It's Arizona State at 69. You know, I like where Arizona State's at right now. I think in order to make the tournament, they need to split the L.A. schools this weekend um, and then win a win a game in the Pac-12 tournament, and I think that will seal it for them to make the tournament. Um, this team plays decent defense. Uh, the only problem with this team, they take some uh, weird-looking shots and <laughs> contested shots, but uh, if it goes in, who cares, right? Yeah. So, that's that's the only thing bad about this team, but uh, you know they have two really good shot makers, a good center, so 
this team could go far if they make the tournament. Yeah, taking a look at um, in the next goal we got here, we got North Carolina just below them at the number 70 spot. So North Carolina, they obviously want to put them in the field because, you know, they just they just made the national championship last year, the number one overall team in the preseason. They have very good players. They haven't put it all together, but they did beat Virginia. So they have a good shot to make it to the tournament. Yeah, you mentioned uh, North Carolina really needed a big win, uh, and they got it against Virginia. They're one and eight and one and nine in quad one play, six and three in quad two. Couple games coming up for them. Florida State's a game they should win. Florida State's in quad three, but then the final game of the year against Duke. I think they got to beat Duke if they want any chance of making. Obviously, they got to beat Florida State, but they got to beat Duke too. They're sitting at the first four out. I don't expect a win to necessarily jump them into the mix. Um, you know, as a jump them into the mix of the tournament, they got to beat Duke too, in my opinion. But they've had an interesting season, especially being the runner-ups from last year. Clemson at seventy-one. Clemson. Um, I don't know much about this team, but they're twenty-one and eight, thirteen and five. I think in the ACC. Uh, the ACC is down. They had a brutal loss to Louisville, which will haunt them till Selection Sunday. And I think that is their biggest enemy right now. Yeah, you mentioned that loss to Louisville. That was terrible. But sitting at a 21-8 and record, they should be relatively fine. Like I said, that Louisville loss did hurt. They lost by 10. Louisville is a quad four team. They also lost to Loyola Chicago. Um, they actually got crushed by Loyola Chicago. So having those two losses in quad four is what's killing them right now. Only six games played in quad two, but some big wins, you know, Duke, Pittsburgh, Virginia Tech. So this is a team that's been playing very solid throughout the year. Um, I think they're going to be a team that does make some noise in the ACC. But if they don't make the tournament, it's specifically because they lost to Louisville and potentially Loyola Chicago. And the final team in the first four out is number 72, Michigan. Michigan. Uh, Hunter Dickinson is a stud. Um, the... Their non-conference, I think they were six and five with uh, some bad losses, but you know they turned around. Uh, they swept Northwestern, which will help them tell selection Sunday. And uh, if they if they can go on a run in the big in the Big Ten tournament, they will make it. I agree, and I think for Michigan, it's just it's so interesting if you're Michigan because I feel like Michigan and North Carolina in the same boat, and the fact that. They're, the committee's dying to put Michigan and North Carolina in, but Michigan's not helping their cause whatsoever. They have a chance to, you know, at Illinois is going to be a big game for them, uh, not necessarily because I mean, Illinois should be in the tournament regardless, but Illinois is a good program. And then they end the year against Indiana. Hunter Dickinson's obviously had a great year for them thus far, and this is a team that, again, um, is going to potentially jump into the mix right away. Next four out, final four teams, Utah State. Utah State. They don't have a quad one win, which compared to the other teams on the bubble, that will hurt them. Yeah, Utah State's interesting. Um, I'd be curious to see how Utah State's going to fare towards the end of the season. One of the reasons why is they got a big match against Boise State. Technically, have one quad one win. It's against Nevada. They're one and four, though, in quad one play. And in the Mountain West Conference, you do need some big wins, especially in your non-conference. Played a lot of quad three teams, but definitely need that big one there. They got to win out. They got to beat Boise State. And probably they got to make a run to the tournament or the championship game of the Mountain West to have a chance. And it is open. Uh, Nevada, Boise State, and San Diego State seem to be the only other teams that are threatening right now. Charleston, College of Charleston at 74. College of Charleston. Um, this team is 28-3. and three. And honestly, I think they're going to get the AQ from 
their conference, but they think Hofstra is going to get it. They uh, tied. They're, both teams were 16-2, and two, but I think this team will make the tournament as an AQ. Yeah, you know, this is going to be a big uh, AQ opportunity for Carlton of Charleston. A lot of people, like myself, know that they're a pretty solid team, put up a good fight against North Carolina, but especially in their conference, it'll probably either be Hofstra or College of Charleston, and that's why they're sitting at the next four out. But then again, on a flip of a dime, you know, College of Charleston could win, um, and then that opens the door for another uh, next four-in team, or next four-out team, excuse me. But they've had a good season this far, and I think they're going to win the AQ and uh, make their way into the tournament. Penn State right below them. Penn State, I think they are here because they have a huge week. You know, Northwestern at Northwestern and at home against Maryland. If they win both this week, they're right back in the in the first chance to make the tournament. I agree. And Penn State's three and seven and quad one wins. One on the road against Illinois, one at home against Indiana, and then also one against Ohio State, which at the time was a big win for them. Obviously now it's not necessarily I'm a big win, but they've had a good solid season thus far. Northwestern's their biggest challenge yet. I think they got to win both games here and win one game in the Big Ten tournament. If they're able to do that, they're going to be able to make it into the NCAA tournament. And the final team is Texas Tech. Uh, after the loss against TCU at home, I think this team is done. But if they win both this weekend, they have a fighting chance. Yeah, you know, they they're we're on a pulse, honestly. They were so close. Lost to TCU at home by one. That was a detrimental loss. You can kind of make it up with a win at Kansas, but even then I don't think it's necessarily going to make it up. Depends on more than anything how they're going to show in the Big 12 tournament, though. Because if they were able to show well, then they're going to be able to you know make the tournament make some noise. But it's a team that, once again, um, a big loss to TCU. That, that one-point loss might be the difference for making the tournament and losing it. Or maybe getting the number one seed in the NIT. And then the other three teams, number 77, Drake, number 78, Oregon, and number 79, New Mexico. Taking a look at the multi-bid conferences, the Big Ten leads the way with nine, followed by the Big 12 and SEC with eight, ACC and Big East with five, Mountain West, Pac-12 with three, West Coast Conference, and American with two. Some matchups to take into consideration, North Carolina at Florida State, that's going to be a big game tonight. Baylor at Oklahoma State, and West Virginia at Iowa State. Should be another exciting week here of college basketball. We are officially entering the final week of the regular season. This is where a lot of teams and a lot of fan bases like you yourself um, go through a lot of stress trying to see if their teams are going to be able to squeak a big win or two to uh, make a run to the NCAA tournament. We appreciate you guys listening to another episode of The Truth. We hope you guys did enjoy it. If you guys did, make sure you follow The Truth on Twitter at The Truth as one to stay up to date with the latest information regarding The Truth, including podcast dates, podcast uploads, and other important information of value. Until next time, I am joined by Levi Graham. It is your host, the one you love the most, Niall Hessen, signing out. Take care. Have a good rest of your night. Peace.